What's up, y'all? Welcome into another edition of the DNBR Rams podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. We've got a lot to talk about. It's been a couple of days. Obviously, the big news was that Melquan Stovall has elected to enter the transfer portal. Pretty surprising after Dante Wright left a week before. Even more surprising when you think about the fact that he came over uh, with this coaching staff from Nevada, but we had an opportunity to hear from Jay Norvell on that. I'll play that audio, then I'll give my thoughts on the situation, talk about what it means for the receiving core moving forward, Uh, opens up some opportunities on special teams as well. Also going to give a few more takeaways from the Washington State game after going back and re-watching it. We did the watch along, so I didn't have the traditional post-game pod like I normally do. Felt a little bit under the weather Monday, so it's been you know a little bit longer than usual. But I did think there were a couple of positive takeaways that we could gather from that game, even with the outcome. Uh, obviously, shout out to Becky Hammond. All she does is win. Las Vegas Aces win the WNBA title in her first season as head coach. She was also coach of the year. They had the MVP, the league defensive player of the year. They were just pretty much a freight train this year, and they were unstoppable. It looks like it's a really incredible atmosphere out of those games in Vegas. It's cool to see the community supporting them. I still think it would be cool at at some point to see her be the, the first female head coach in the NBA. I think she's capable of doing it. I also think she's probably capable of elevating the WNBA and and reaching audiences and helping, you know, raise that profile in a way that pretty much nobody else can. Her brand recognition at this point is, is through the roof. It's still crazy to me that you can't buy an official gold throwback Becky Hammond jersey. That is just a, a gold mine waiting for somebody to take advantage of it. I know I'd certainly rock the hell out of it. I'm a big Jersey guy. It's it's a little bit weird that we still don't have that uh, either on campus or I don't know, like Nike or something like somebody get on that. We need the Becky Hammond throwbacks and we need them now. Anyways, like I said, we have a lot to talk about on today's podcast. It's going to be a fun one. We're going to have a ton of content coming in the next couple of days leading up to that Sacramento State matchup. Always love Ag Week. But before we get into everything, the NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win, get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings' stepped-up same-game parlay. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With payouts bigger than ever, why would you bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on the stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Get $200 in free bets if your team wins. When you place a $5 bet on any football game, that code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, all right, all right. Like I said, we are going to play that audio from Jay Norvell talking about Melquan Stovall. I'll give my takeaways on that situation, kind of a wonky, really 10 days or so for this program, just with everything that's happened. But that's kind of how it goes when you're trying to when you're trying to flip a program. I just they've had such a losing culture now for for so long. And I think accountability is kind of a, a big thing of what they're trying to push here. Anyways, we'll get to that in a little bit. I did want to just start with a couple of takeaways from that Washington State beatdown. I know 
the uh, the first quarter was absolutely brutal. I mean, CSU they've been outscored seventy eight to zero in the first half of games so far. Not going to win a lot of games when you do it that way. I mean, it's just that's the reality of the situation. That said, you know how how much should we be panicking? I don't know. I mean, Michigan is really good. They're they're legitimately a top five team. Washington State should be a top twenty five team. They're not because people on the East Coast don't watch teams on the West Coast. They're the first team, I believe, in history to start 3-0 with a true road win over a ranked opponent and not crack the top 25. That's asinine. The offensive line situation is, is definitely a major concern. I mean, he's, you just can't keep having Clay Millen taking these hits. 23 sacks, 7 more against Washington State. I mean, I've been impressed with the the kid's tenacity. I think the fact that he has, you know, this warrior mentality, it, it kind of reminds me of, I don't know, you just think back to like Tebow in the swamp and, you know, just being willing to do whatever for your team. I mean, Clay has just been drilled repeatedly and he gets up over and over again. He keeps firing. I mean, you love to see that in your quarterback, especially a young one. I also cringe every single time he takes a hit and I can't help but worry for his health and, you know, and his development to an extent. I mean, I, I hate even bringing it up, but, you know, I always just think of the David Carr situation with the Houston Texans when they were an expansion franchise for the NFL. You know, they draft David Carr to be the face of the team and they give him no offensive line. He just gets the absolute shit kicked out of him for three straight years and he's never the same. I mean, he he starts feeling ghosts in the pocket, pressure that's not there, little glimpses of light, every little movement in the corner of your eye. You just never feel safe in your own skin again. You're always uneasy. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but I mean, we have seen that happen with quarterbacks that just get beat and beat and beat. So they, they got to figure this out. There's talent at the skill positions. Clay obviously has an insane amount of arm talent. And personally, I felt that he played his best game. He didn't have the touchdown passes that he had against Middle Tennessee, but I felt like his decision-making was the best that it had been in any of the three games thus far. I felt like he spread the football around a little bit better. He stepped up in the pocket a couple of times to avoid the rush and you know was able to make really nice throws down the field to keep the chains moving. He used his feet to improvise a little bit. A couple of times he scrambled for first downs. A couple of times he scrambled to extend the play and was able to dump it off to somebody else. We're seeing improvement, and we're seeing growth, and we're seeing his confidence increase You know, as time goes on, and that's what you need out of your redshirt freshman quarterback. Yeah, we want to see some wins. He's completing 71% of his passes right now, despite the fact that he has somebody in his face every single down, and yet there are people out there that are tweeting at me like, we need to bench him, or he's terrible, I, I don't know what you're watching. We're watching different football games. Clay Millen is not the reason that this team is 0-3. Has, have there been mistakes? Yeah. That, that pick against Middle Tennessee right off the bat, brutal. Cannot happen. Has he held onto the ball a little bit too long at times? Yes, but I feel like he is improving in that regard. One thing I would like to see, got to have better ball security in the pocket. Has been stripped a couple of times now. Granted, it's been chaotic. Again, he's just getting hit from every angle. It's it's not shocking that there have been some balls on the ground, but that's, you know, that's that's an area that's just absolutely killer. Picks are one thing. You can't be Daniel Jones, though, you know, putting the ball on the turf every game. But I don't know, man. I, I don't know if it's just 
like the Elway syndrome that we collectively have in this state where our expectations for quarterbacks are just so insanely high that like we're, we're never satisfied. And I'm sure, you know, having Peyton Manning come in and finish his career in Denver didn't help with that. But I don't know. It just it reminds me at times of, you know, how it was for Nick Stevens, where there was just a, a large portion of the fan base always upset with him, despite the fact that he was doing great. And, and I'll be honest, man, Clay's got a hell of a lot more arm talent than Nick ever did. But Nick was a tremendous quarterback and people were just they were never happy. And I guess that's just how it is with some people. It's, it's never going to be good enough. But he is improving. They're making strides in this offense. These lumps, these growing pains that you're going through now will benefit the team, you know, moving forward. Again, assuming you can keep them healthy, they gotta they gotta find a way to shore it up. And, you know, as as frustrating as that situation has been, it's not like, you know, we have a, a coach going up to the podium, you know, making excuses, running from it. It's been bad. They've been honest about how it's bad. They've been honest about how they're still trying to figure out how to fix it. Again, man, like clearly there's there's room for growth. There always is when you have a redshirt freshman starting at quarterback. But I, it's just crazy to me some of the stuff I've seen in, in regards to the, the criticism with Clay because he's doing what you want. And, and all things considered, man, it's I've been very impressed with him. His toughness. I've been impressed with his decision making and how it's improved. He seems to be learning from his mistakes. That's what you want to see. So that that's my two cents. You know, I'm not going to go on and on about it, but I, I love that he was, you know, stepping up in the pocket. I love that he was scrambling and using his feet at times to improvise, extend the play. I like that they were able to get some of the other receivers involved. You know, you had a couple of guys finish with five catches apiece. Ty McCullough had four catches as well, led the team in receiving yards. It was nice to see Justice Ross Simmons, the true freshman, get involved. First career catch and first career touchdown. Obviously, you know, the offense still has a ton of room for growth. You know, again, you know, scoring seven points, that's not the goal here. That's that's not what I'm saying. But they're getting there and we are seeing incremental improvement. And I also think people just need to factor in how freaking good this Washington State defense is. Man, they were getting pressure while sending four. And then they're still able to drop back with their four two five and play coverage. That's so hard. That's so hard as a young quarterback. You've got somebody in your face and they're dropping seven on you. I mean, that's kind of the difference between them and Middle Tennessee is Middle Tennessee just brings pressure all the time. Now, a lot of it gets home and they're able to create a lot of plays for loss. But when it doesn't, you know, it leaves their secondary in a pretty rough spot. And then you see, you know, some of those plays where the CSU receivers are able to break free. Torrey Horton ultimately able to catch three touchdowns in that third quarter. You know, that's just kind of what happens when you pressure all the time. Yes, it's going to be when it works, it's great. When it doesn't, you're really putting your secondary in a vulnerable spot. Washington State, they didn't have to send extra guys to get home. Their D-line was good enough. There's a lot of context and nuance from week to week when it comes to these games. And, you know, at times we we ignore some of that stuff and try and lump it all together when it's completely unique circumstances. And I get it. It's been rough, nine losses in a row, longest losing streak in the country. And because of that, it makes you a little bit more impatient naturally. I mean, that's just how it's going to work. But I'm just trying to point out some of this stuff so you guys can actually realize as frustrating as these first three weeks have been, you know, you're playing quality competition. 
there've been a lot of weird circumstances, obviously coming into the year with five new starting offensive linemen is hard enough. Then you got to replace your left tackle. You know, your right tackle misses this game. I mean, it's just been a lot of movement, a lot of guys playing together with very minimal experience. It's a process. It's a process building a finesse offense and to the people that are like, why are we running it? What do you think is going to happen if you drop back 60 times? You have to establish the run, especially with Washington State. You know, they're playing coverage. Like, you've, you've got to try and take advantage of that, try and alleviate some of the pressure when you can. I don't know, man. I just think at times we try and we look at these games and our the way we want it to improve immediately is like video game type stuff. You know, we want it to be like Madden. I changed the playbook. Why did I not go from the ground and pound to the air raid? Why, why am I immediately not scoring 50 points a game? It's not how it works. And frankly, this offensive line situation was a bigger mess than anybody, myself included, factored in going into the season. I mean, obviously losing some of those Adazio guys was, was tough because that's, you know, depth. But ultimately, it just kind of shows there wasn't a whole lot of coaching going on with some of those guys these last couple of years, man. And, you know, part of that is when you have a nepotism hire and your offensive line coach is the son, you know, of your head coach and he was never an offensive lineman. Well, we're seeing the results. They just don't have a ton of depth right now in the trenches. I mean, they, they added some guys via the transfer portal, hoping that they can kind of plug some of those holes up and, and fill it as best they can. I do think with the experience of some of those guys, you know, keys can get healthy and stuff. I, I think there's potential for them to improve as they play together, establish some chemistry, get that familiarity. But it's been rough. It's been rough. I, I do know that the staff is high on some of the young guys that they have on campus, but, you know, they're not ready yet. And throwing them into the fire would be just as detrimental to their, you know, progress and development as throwing a quarterback who's not ready, you know, into the into the fire would be. It's just patience. It's going to have to be the the message this year. The, the Middle Tennessee game was definitely a gut punch. But I mean, if if your opinion on the future of this program has been drastically shifted because CSU got their butts kicked by a couple of really talented defenses, two of the more athletic defenses in the country on the road, I don't know what to tell you, man. Your expectations are, they're out of line. You know, you got you to gotta reassess the scenario. Anyways, uh, as far as the defensive side went, I uh, gave up far too many explosive plays. Obviously, being, you know, having to defend short fields repeatedly throughout that first half really put the defense in a tough spot. That said, you know, it was too easy there pretty early. But man, Cam Ward, there were a couple of times he was just able to make incredible throws. Like the pass rush was able to get home. They were in his face. Even one of the touchdowns, you know, Mo Kamara drilled him and he just drops a diamond in a bucket, you know, on the side of the, the end zone. And you're like, man, this guy is good. He just, he's hard to rattle, man. He was, he was calm and composed. He made some really big time throws. That was as, you know, composed as I've seen a quarterback look in college football this year, you know, other than maybe, you know, Bryce Young down that final drive against Texas. And I know, you know, questionable holding. I get it all that. We don't have to go back into that. But Cam Ward, really, really good. Uh, Jack Howell, another tremendous game. Second pick in as many weeks. A big time performance from CJ Onyeki as well as Mo Kamara. They combined for a couple of sacks, a couple of other QB hits like that they didn't lay down. You know, they 
continued to fight, made some plays in that second half to at least, you know, keep it respectable. Ultimately, Washington State does close out the the game with a seven minute drive. They score with about a minute left, but outside of that one, you know, able to keep them out of the end zone in that second half. They just got to start faster. I mean, the offense has got to put some points on the board. The defense, you know, you need some early stops. Frankly, you know, I think the defense is really going to have to step up against Sacramento State. You know, just a situation where if you could just really be stifling, you know, give this offense a chance to work through some of these kinks. I mean, Sacramento State's given up some points. That's encouraging. We'll talk about that more in the coming days. Special teams has been pretty poor these first three weeks. That needs to improve. Uh, Patty Turner, another rough performance. Michael Boyle, Hawaii transfer, steps in at kicker after after Caden Camper leaves. Missed a 45-yarder. Not a gimme. Missed it pretty bad, but, you know, not going to rail the guy for missing his first one. Again, though, you know, it is another area of the game where CSU drastically needs improvement. It's just complimentary football. I feel like all season we've had moments where the defense pops or where the offense pops. We haven't had a whole lot of, you know, the defense gets an interception followed immediately by a big touchdown play or, you know, big touchdown play followed immediately by a forced fumble on the defense or, you know, you, you pin them deep and then the defense is able to get a safety. Although I will say, I thought that was a safety. I did think the quarterback was down. I felt like the Rams got jobbed on that one. We just need to see more complimentary football altogether. But I mean, ultimately, the the goal for this season is growth. I do think it's still too early to throw a towel on everything just with how bad the Mountain West looks. Who knows? You know, I genuinely, who knows? You could be three and three a couple weeks from now. You could be one and five. You could be 0 and six. But I mean, really, anything is on the table with how up and down this conference has looked. It's just important to keep that perspective. I'm going to move on. I'm going to talk about the Melquan Stovall situation. I'm going to play that audio from Jay Norvell. Real quick, Game Time is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. Ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you never thought you could? 50-yard line, maybe, courtside, behind home plate, floor seats at a concert? Well, it's possible with the Game Time app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you thought you could never buy. You will not find a better deal this season on Rams tickets. And with game time, it's created by the fans, for the fans, and they guarantee the lowest price. If you love DNVR, then you will love game time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the game time app. Score the best seats to all of your favorite events. And again, if you're looking for the best deals on CSU tickets this season, check out game time. Check out the link in the podcast description. Of course, we also want to shout out the homies over at Ivaca, the new goat in Colorado sports. That is greatest of all TV. Ivaca TV delivers amped up sports coverage for Colorado fans featuring Altitude Sports, AT&T Sportsnet, the NFL Network. Get the most regional content for the lowest price for sports in Colorado, all in crystal clear HD while using less bandwidth. You can enjoy over 60 entertainment channels, including news, movies, and more. Turn your home into the ultimate game viewing zone. You can even stream your team from your phone, laptop, or tablet when you're on the go. You can also add on a discounted Sling TV bundle to get ESPN and more. Ivaca is only $25 a month plus a $5 receiver fee. Right now, Colorado sports fans can get $10 off per month for your first three months. To score this deal, go to ivaca.tv slash Colorado 10. That's E-V-O-C-A dot TV slash Colorado 10. No contracts, no catches. 
Ivaca is TV made for champions of the remote. All right, here's that audio from Jay Norvell speaking on Melquan Stovall electing to enter the transfer portal. He announced this during his weekly press conference on Monday afternoon. You know, I do want to mention this. I, I, I almost forgot. Uh, you know, as we move along, I don't know why it is this way. When you start a new program, you, you preach a message, you have expectations, the team has goals that everybody has to accept. Some guys accept those, some guys don't. Um, you know, we have a, a, a good player. We have had a couple good players the last couple of weeks that have decided not to play anymore. We had another one yesterday. I had a long talk with Melquan Stovall. No Melquan a long time. Um, you know, in this day and age of college football, these kids have so many choices. You know, they have a short time to play. They want to be in a certain situation to play. Um, it wasn't quite what... Melquan was looking for. He's got two more years of eligibility. He wants to he wants to take this year off and he wants to take his chances playing in another program. And so, you know, that's what we're dealing with uh, with college football right now. Um, with guys having a chance to graduate, transfer portal, all these different options that they have. Um, you know, it's a fluid situation. And so, you know, we uh, are really dedicated to teaching our brand of football to this team. And uh, they're going to continue to get better at it as we go. And uh, the guys that stay committed to that will, will flourish and will be successful. And some guys will make other decisions and they won't be part of it. And that's just the way it's always been. And so um, we understand that. But I did want to make that announcement about Melbourne. And, and so, you know, It'll give our young receivers more opportunity to play, which I think will be really good for our growth. All right. So I think a lot of what Jay Norvell has had to say in recent weeks has been pretty telling about the situation inside that locker room. You know, I, I think it's it's just been a group of, you know, CSU holdovers that have really just been beaten down after years and years of losing, you know, being treated poorly. And, you know, their, their psyche is just kind of down. You've got Nevada guys that came in, and obviously that program was rolling at the end. They never lost more than three games in a row at Nevada. Now you come here, you're dealing with this. And we'll kind of see, you know, which guys are able to weather the storm and, you know, kind of still stand tall when it's all said and done. You know, Norvell talked about, you know, you don't become a good sailor without, you know, experiencing the sea. It's kind of where this team's at right now. I mean, they're in the process of learning how to win, you know, learning how to respond when things don't go perfect. You know, not much has gone perfect for this team early on, but obviously very surprising that, that Melquan Stovall has elected to, to leave the team. I don't want to speak for him based on what Norvell said, based on what my sources are telling me was essentially just unhappy with his fit in the offense. I mean, I don't know. You know, he was he was out there playing a ton. He was one of the few receivers actually getting a lot of playing time these last couple of weeks. Second leading receiver on the team. Not sure if he felt like he was being, you know, overshadowed by Tory or if, you know, he felt like he should be getting the the type of touches that, you know, Tory was getting early on or or something like that, but ultimately Melquan has elected to leave the team. He can enter the transfer portal in December. He'll have 2 years of eligibility remaining after graduating. And it's a bummer. I mean, he's a really talented wide receiver. I talked about him a lot in the spring. 
obviously had that sick highlight catch, but really, I mean, he was consistent throughout. I thought he was just very, very explosive. I mean, talented enough that I at least understood, you know, where this staff was coming from in terms of why he was getting playing time over Dante, a guy who we had all seen, you know, over the years was really, really good. But Melquan, obviously, you know, after evaluating this situation, you know, going through these couple of games, has elected he wants to finish his career elsewhere. You know, during my my interactions with him, I I thought he was a good kid. I heard a lot of good things about him. Um, I do think this was a selfish decision that he made. I think he has the right to do so, but I mean, you know, it is what it is. All I'm really saying is, I mean, it's it's easy to understand, you know, Dante's position. Eight snaps in two weeks, guy that was a proven starter. You know, he's like, I'm I'm getting out of here. I want to contribute. Melquan was getting an opportunity to contribute. And again, you know, I'm I I'm not gonna root against him or anything like that. You know, I, I hope he lands in a good spot. I also want, you know, people that are gonna be representing CSU to be willing to do what it takes to get this program, you know, back in contention and a lot of that takes selflessness and, you know, being willing to grind daily and putting the team above yourself. And, and I've just, I've heard so many good things about how hard of a worker Tory Horton is behind the scenes, like just always grinding with film and talking with coaches and wanting to work with clay and just doing the little things. And, you know, that's what you need from everybody in the short term. This is definitely a significant loss. Obviously, you know, one of your more experienced receivers in this system you know, a guy that already had established rapport with Millen, that's that's significant, especially with, you know, how much this offensive line has struggled. You know, it'd be nice to have just some reliable guys you can count on, easy targets, you know, script some stuff even to get them open. But, you know, the, the bright side, obviously, is that this is going to open up some opportunities for, you know, Lewis Brown and, you know, Justice Ross Simmons and Mackay Fox and, you know, all these young receivers and, you know, kind of different roles. You know, I, I imagine Lewis Brown is going to fill more of that Melquan Stovall inside role, but we'll see. I mean, they might shift some guys around. But the depth of the wide receiver room definitely taken a big hit over the last 10 days. I still think it's one of the more talented positions on the team. I think with young talent, other than quarterback, it's probably the most stacked. And you got four freshman quarterbacks all with great arms. But some of these young freshman receivers are legit. Like I'm really, I'm really, really excited to see Makai Fox and you know Lewis Brown get more opportunities. We already know Justice Ross Simmons is a stud. And, you know, had his first career catch against Washington State, had that touchdown, balled out in some of the scrimmages as well. I'd imagine this should lead to more opportunities for Ty as well. Again, you know, another talented receiver that's always kind of been the second or third guy. You know, he could you know be that bona fide number two option now. Liked what I saw out of Jalen Thomas as a pass catcher out of the backfield. I'd like to see him get some more touches. You know, a guy that was really effective in 2019 and, and has not done a ton the last couple of years. Hopefully you can get Ajon Vivens back. I'd like to see the tight ends get involved, although, you know, might need to use them in pass protection more than, you know, the as receiving options at this point. But there's obviously a ton of talent there between Tanner Arkin and Gary Williams. But CSU's... They're in the thick of it, man. We're going through we're going through a transition that's probably going to be pretty rough for a while before it gets better, at least consistently. I think there's going to be moments, you know, where they play really well, you know, potentially even for a couple of games and then everybody feels great. Then you know, you might struggle again because that's what happens with young and inexperienced teams. 
But I mean, ultimately, you know, you're with the team or you're not. And, you know, guys have valid reasons to leave at times, you know, not necessarily, you know, judging them or, or anything like that. But I mean, the reality is, you know, you're, you're down to help with this rebuild or, or you're not. And if you're not, it's probably better off for you to go elsewhere anyways. I like that this staff is huge on accountability. I mean, we see it week one with Devin Phillips getting suspended for a violation of team rules. I mean, we see it with this type of stuff. Like, they're not, they're not going to concede. You know, it's, it's this staff's way. And I think an increase in accountability is just a great thing. You know, I think they desperately need it. I think we've, we've seen how undisciplined CSU has been for a long time. We've seen how uncomposed they've been in the toughest moments, you know, in the biggest games of the season, losing every rivalry game for year after year after year, finding a way to shoot yourself in the foot. You know, ultimately, you know, all of that, it's, it's culture. And, you know, at, at times it can be a bit of cliche with the way that we use that, but it's true. I mean, teams with winning cultures, it, they don't have games like Boise State. They don't, which Boise State, you know, 2017 or 2020, but Norvell's been in this game a long time. He's worked with some of the most successful programs, some of the most successful offenses as well. So I believe in him. I have a lot of respect for him, for Matt Mummy, for Bill Best, for this staff. I really love what Freddie Banks is doing defensively. I just, I, I think they've got the right guys in place. I think there is a lot of talent at key positions. I think it's going to be a process, though, and I really do think that fixing the chemistry, fixing the culture, is as important for CSU as you know bringing an influx of talent. Because it's been the team's mindset that's helped them back, and you know, poor coaching at times as much as anything these last couple of years hasn't exactly just been you know no talent. I mean, <laughs> they lost to a lot of teams that on paper they had more talent than. Anyways. That's all I have for today's podcast. We'll be talking all kinds of CSU news over the next couple of days. I've got a bunch of articles that are almost ready for you. Really pumped to get a couple of these features out. Been working hard behind the scenes. Now's a great time to become a DMVR member. Really looking forward to Ag Day on Saturday. Hope to see some of you guys up there. Much love, y'all. Peace. Scummy like Martin Scarelli Turn jam into jelly Then drink it like juice But water's the truth So I sip on that too Skinny looking kid With no car keys Like the only thing I drive Is RCRV He's got the stash Like Steve Harvey